Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Please join me in the call to worship that's printed in the bulletin. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre, Let us praise the Lord.
we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In humility and faith, let us confess our sin to God. O Holy One, we call to you and name you as eternal, ever-present, and boundless in love. Yet there are times, O God, when we fail to recognize you in the dailiness of our lives. Sometimes shame clenches tightly around our hearts, and we hide our true feelings. Sometimes fear makes us small, and we miss the chance to speak your truth. Sometimes doubt invades our hopefulness, and we forget to trust you. Holy God, in the daily round from sunrise to sunset, remind us again of your holy presence that is always with us. Free us from shame and self-doubt. Help us to see you in the moment-by-moment -moment possibilities to live honestly, to act courageously, and to speak your words of truth, hope, love, and life in a world desperate need of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. from everlasting to everlasting. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. May the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Let us share the peace of Christ with one another. and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We welcome you to the service of worship at Independent Presbyterian Church this morning. We're so glad that you have chosen to be with us on this beautiful summer morning. 
We also want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online, by live stream, wherever you may be. We're glad that you have chosen to worship with us as well. We'd like to ask you to take the friendship pad. If you're on the main floor, they're in the center, in the um, pew rack near the center aisle, and they're scattered around in other places in the balconies. If you would sign your name and pass it down the row and back again so that we know you were worshiping with us today. If you're visiting with us, we extend a very special welcome to you and hope that in this hour you will find a sense of belonging in this place and that you will find a warm welcome here. Please give us some form of contact information if you would. We would love to be in touch with you in the week to come to let you know more about our life and ministry together here at um, IPC and invite you to be a part of it. There are just a few announcements in the bulletin and I'm not gonna um, I'm not going to read them all to you. You can read them yourself. Just a couple of things I want to say. We do have an IPC um, Connect event coming up on August the 10th at Red Mountain Theater to go see Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. The uh, deadline to sign up was officially tomorrow, but guess what? We have sold out of tickets. Um, so we had 100 tickets and 100 of you have made reservations. We do have a waiting list if you would like to be on a waiting list because there are always people at the last minute who can't come. Please just um, call the office in congregational care, speak to Connie Logan or to Cindy Shaw or to me and we will be happy to put you on a waiting list. Um, so we're thrilled that uh, we're going to have so many of you come and join us on August the 10th at that wonderful fun show. The Rwanda team, uh, most of the Rwanda team, I think, made it back last night, and so we are grateful for their return amongst us and that they um, are safely back home. I haven't heard from um, anybody yet, but I'm sure they had a wonderful experience together. And also wanted you to know that the youth and um, their leaders and several other adult uh, sponsors headed off to Montreat this morning for the Montreat Youth Conference. So please, in the week ahead, be prayerful for our youth and for all of the adults who are with them that this will be a week that will deepen their relationships with each other and deepen their faith and their relationship with God and with Christ as well in that beautiful place of Montreat. Also, just a quick reminder that in the summer, our shelves and the food pantry and in the blessing box are always a little lighter because so many folks are traveling. So if you have a chance, take the little card that is in your pew rack that tells you the items that are needed for both the food blessing box and the hygiene um, item, paper goods blessing box. And if you're out shopping this week, um, buy a few of those items and drop them by the church. We would appreciate it very much. Once again, we welcome you to worship this morning. And now as we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us first turn to God in prayer. Holy God, there are so many voices, so many feelings that seek to distract us from being fully present here today and being fully present to you and to your word to us. So we pray that you would quiet all of those voices, all of the worries and anxieties, that you would help us to focus our minds and our hearts and our spirits into this time and onto your word. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open our ears and our minds and our hearts so that we might hear these words in new and fresh ways today that in hearing them we might believe them, 
and that in believing them we might go forth from this place into the world to live more faithfully as disciples of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Our first scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Psalms, Psalm 30. Listen now for the word of God. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson this morning comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. Listen again for the word of God. 
The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I love the stories we find in the book of Genesis. They are filled with the biblical truth that our God always has been able to take the frailest, most fallible of humans and work through them in all their imperfection to bring about God's amazing purpose for our individual lives and for God's plan of salvation for the whole world. Abraham and Sarah are two such figures. The story we read this morning rings with laughter and with the wild promise of God that a child would be born where there had been only barrenness. The story is a poignant reminder that for Yahweh, the God of Israel, nothing is too wonderful, nothing is too hard, nothing is impossible, even what seems at first glance to be laughable. This story tells of a God of love and hope, a God who keeps promises, a God who holds the power to heal our wounds, even those wounds that are most ancient and have festered in our hearts and souls for so long, they seem impossible to us to cleanse and heal. This story tells us of a God who is always at work bringing life out of what seems most barren. This story reminds us that our God is always loving us, creating something new within us and among us, 
is always in the business of mercy and redemption, and that God's ultimate desire for every one of God's children is hope, abundance, wholeness, joy, and new life, and that God's grace comes even when, perhaps especially when, we least expect it. And this text asks us to consider the same question God asked Abraham and Sarah to consider that day. Is anything too wonderful for God? A bit of background first, because we entered the story of Abraham and Sarah this morning smack dab in the middle. When Abraham was 75 years old and his wife Sarah was 65, God called to Abram, that's what he was called then, telling him to leave the home he had always known in Haran and travel to an unknown land. God called Abram and along with him, of course, Sarai, as she was then called, to leave their family and friends behind, their relatively comfortable life, and start out on a journey that depended completely on their ability to trust this God who had suddenly come into their lives and called them into a new way of living. As God called them, God also promised Abram a few things. First, that God would give them a land to possess as their own. Second, God promised this long, barren couple that they would have children, descendants as numerous as the stars in the night sky and the grains of sand on the, on the beach. And third, God promised that God was going to bless them with all of these things so that, in turn, the whole world would be blessed through their family. And so with nothing but the promises of God tucked close to their hearts, Abram and Sarai went, packing up their household, their servants, taking Abram's nephew Lot and his family along with them, and believing in the promises of God, they started out on a journey of faith that would continue for the rest of their lives. The journey was long and hard. Eventually, God changed their names to Abraham and Sarah, and all along the way, God continued to promise the longed-for child. They endured much heartache, trouble, and pain. As the years went by, Sarah and Abraham remained faithful to God, obeying God's call to them and continuing on their journey of faith, continuing to hope and believe in the promises of God. Over the many long years, however, with no baby born to them, their faith in that particular promise began to falter a bit. Eventually, Sarah gave her servant girl, Hagar, to Abraham as a concubine, and Hagar gave birth to a son and named him Ishmael. Abraham loved Ishmael, and Sarah grew jealous. But God came to Abraham again and promised that he would make Ishmael a great nation as well. But his son with Sarah was the one who would be his heir. That he and Sarah just had to continue to wait and to trust in the promises of God. In the passage for today, we find Abraham and Sarah living in a tent by the oaks of Mamre. And suddenly, one day, as Abraham rested from the heat of the day in the entrance to the tent, three men appeared out of nowhere. Now, scripture tells us over the 
time of this passage that one of these men was the Lord, though Abraham does not seem to realize that at first. Abraham immediately began to offer hospitality to these strangers, one of the most valued customs of nomadic people who often depended on the kindness of strangers for their very survival. Hospitality was a sacred duty among the nomadic people. Abraham feeds them, gives them drink, keeps them company, and makes an offer for them to stay with him for a few days. But they are in a hurry, on a mission of some sort, and they must be on their way. But before they go, one of the strangers asks a question, where is your wife, Sarah? Then the stranger says, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And here is where the laughter begins. You see, it had been 25 years since God first called Abraham and Sarah to leave Haran and journey on in faith. 25 years since the first promise of a child. Abraham was now 100 years old and Sarah was 90. The scripture tells us that, quote, it had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Well, I guess so. <laughs> Sarah had lived her life as a barren woman, a terrible fate for a woman of her day, and now she was far past any physical ability to conceive a child. The promise from this stranger seemed impossible. It was laughable. And so Sarah, hidden behind the tent flat, but listening closely to every word, began to shake with laughter as tears streamed down her face. Now, just one chapter before this story, in chapter 17 of Genesis, God repeated this promise of many children to Abraham. And in that story, it was Abraham who laughed. And he laughed so hard, he fell on his face, the scripture tells us. And now in chapter 18, it is Sarah who laughs at this impossible prediction that just as she and Abraham were about ready to enter a retirement community, they needed to set up a nursery for a new baby instead. Any of us would have laughed as well. The stranger who had done most of the speaking in this story then says, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? And then the stranger asks that all-important question, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Many of us sitting in this sanctuary today probably know what it is like to lose hope in something that we have sought for a very long time. We know what it is like when hope is delayed, when dreams feel crushed, when life feels overwhelming, and it seems that we are drowning, and we cannot imagine that the healing, the restoration, the redemption, the dream we have long sought and prayed for and worked for that still has not come will ever be a reality. We know what it is to suffer a terrible grief and feel that there is no hope that God can bring us out of the deep valley we are in and back into light and joy. We know what it is to battle with addiction or depression or anxiety and lose our hope that we can ever feel free and healthy and whole again. 
We know what it is like to have a relationship that is destroyed by betrayal of some sort and feel our hope fading, that we can ever be forgiven for a wrong we have done or that we will ever be able to forgive another who has wronged us. In so many and varied ways, the world can be hard on our dreams and our expectations about what life should be. Do you know this feeling of Abraham and Sarah? Do you know what it is like to try to keep believing, keep hoping in some longed for dream when it always seems just beyond your grasp? Do you know what it feels like to find it hard to keep trusting that God will answer your prayer or, for, or fulfill your dream or redeem what feels most broken in you or in someone you love because you have waited and waited and prayed and prayed and still the answer has not come. The dream has not been fulfilled. The redemption still feels like it is beyond your reach and you still feel the brokenness you so desperately want to mend in yourself, in your body, your mind, your spirit, the brokenness in your relationships, in your home, in your work life, in your life of faith. Sometimes we are tempted to believe that there may just be things in our lives and in the life of the world that are indeed too wonderful for God. I have a friend who longed for children, and she and her husband tried for years to have a baby, but it never came to pass. She turned her frustrated love for a child to other living creatures who needed a home and rescue and love and healing. She became an animal rescuer, and a good one. That's how I met her. I understand the ache and longing as being a parent is a dream that never came true for me either. Perhaps that is one reason my house is full of rescue animals as well. Finally, this friend and her husband decided that they had a home that was big enough and enough love to open their home as a respite for children in foster care. They thought that all their rescue animals would be a source of healing for children who might need help recovering from a traumatic situation. A little over a year ago, my friends took in two siblings, who at the time they took them in were seven and five years old, a boy and a girl. It was hard. The children had significant trauma. But slowly, little by little, the children began to heal and their home was filled with love, and soon it was filled with laughter. And my friends, who had really given up hope in their dream of having children, found that their hope had not really died after all, and they discovered that parenthood can come in surprising ways. And recently, when the way was finally clear legally, they adopted these two beautiful children as their own and a new family came into being. Just when they thought all hope was gone, they had the gift of a holy surprise. They were surprised by God's grace. Their family does not look the way they originally imagined it, but it is beautiful. God answered their prayer. 
God's grace came and dwelled among them right when they least expected it. The writer, Anne Lamott, shared a post on her Facebook page in the past couple of days which read, quote, 37 years ago today, on July 7th, 1986, I got clean and sober. It is the great miracle of my existence from which everything I love about life has sprung. I had published three books, had a great persona and reputation, and everyone knew and loved me. I still live in the county where I was born and raised, but my insides, my soul, felt like Swiss cheese, full of holes, toxic and nuts, until I had the first cool, refreshing beer of the day, just to get all the flies going in one direction. There is a sheet metal loneliness and isolation we alcoholics know, she wrote, which, besides the devastating self-esteem, were the worst parts. But I didn't want to get sober. I loved drinking and getting drunk and did not mind being impaired as long as I was with a guy who didn't mind that and a girl. What I wanted on July 7th, 1986 was simply to figure out how to stop after six or seven social drinks just to socialize. I was dirt poor and could not go off somewhere and clean up and I had run out of any good ideas, which is what grace looks like sometimes. But God is such a show-off, and I fell in with some kind people who were sober who wondered if I might be sick and tired of being sick and tired, and if so, if I might need a ride somewhere. I was broke for the first five years, but I had a luscious little boy, and these people I'm telling you about, I was happier than I'd ever been. They're the exact same people who will be there for you with rides and cookies and wisdom and loyalty and love that will blow your mind. You never have to hurt like you're hurting now and you will never again be alone. We tell newcomers not to quit before you get your miracle because if you stay sober one day at a time, you will. That is a promise. Sobriety gave me everything alcohol and drugs promised, belonging, self-respect, more laughter than you can even imagine, and profound companionship. Life has gotten way too lifey sometimes in these 37 years, with a few almost unsurvivable losses and many scary passages of time, but I never picked up a drink because of the people I am telling you about who are here also for you. And to my great surprise, here I am 37 years later with a life of more goodness and love and grace than I could have ever imagined. Anne Lamott was at the end of her hope and it was precisely then that God showed up. God appeared with a holy surprise and it was the surprise of these people whom God sent to bring her back to life and love and sanity and healing and wholeness and hope. For God's healing often comes to us through others. God's grace and holy surprises often come in disguise and we can only recognize them if we open our eyes and open our hearts 
to see God's grace reaching out to grab hold of us in surprising ways. When we are at the end of our hope, that is when God can do some of God's best work within us, sometimes even through us. We just have to ask ourselves that all-important question when we feel we are at the end of our hope. Is anything too wonderful for God? My friend Scott Clark, who is another PCUSA pastor out in California, said this in a sermon on this passage. Is anything too wonderful for God is not a rhetorical question. Not for Sarah, not for us. As Terence Fretheim points out, when God asks the question, it's a genuine question meant to move the conversation forward, meant to move us into our future. God puts the question to Sarah, what do you think? Is anything too wonderful for God? How we answer that question makes all the difference in how we live our lives, how we move forward into an uncertain future. If we say, yes, yes, there are some things that are too wonderful even for God, we lock God and our lives into the limited range of possibilities we see and know right now. We leave no scope for imagination, not for God's and not for ours. We, see, we say that, it is th that the world is as it is. Why bother praying or working for anything more? If we answer no, or even hold open that possibility, no, maybe there really isn't anything that is too wonderful for God. We open ourselves and the world with us. We open ourselves to a broad horizon of possibility limited only by God's boundless love for us and for the whole world. We open ourselves to the possibility that God has the power and the will to create through and beyond our imagining. We acknowledge that God in love is able to create a future full of good and healing and freedom and hope even in and through us fallible human beings, though we may be. Finally, of course, because Abraham and Sarah found it within themselves to have the courage and hope to continue to believe, despite all the evidence to the contrary, that nothing is too wonderful for God, eventually Sarah did give birth to a son, and she named him Isaac, which is Hebrew for laughter. And indeed, through their many descendants, all the world would be blessed because many generations later, God gave God's greatest holy surprise to this world when a grandchild of Abraham and Sarah many times removed was born in a town called Bethlehem, and his name was Jesus. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary to announce that she would give birth to God's son, and Mary responded at first with confusion and doubt, how can this be since I am a virgin? Gabriel said, for nothing will be impossible for God. Jesus was the answer to God's question to Abraham and Sarah, is anything too wonderful for God? In Jesus we see the answer to that question in human flesh, nothing will be impossible with God. 
Jesus was the descendant of Abraham and Sarah's joy and laughter and their faithful hope. My friends, wherever you find yourself today, if you are engaged in a struggle of any kind and you find yourself running short on hope, on faith, on trust in our God of promises and hope and healing and redemption and new life, what this scripture tells us is that we should hold on because God in Christ is in the struggle with us and our God is never finished working on us, never finished bringing good even out of the worst things we can imagine, never finished bringing hope out of despair and resurrection out of everything that is death-dealing in our lives and in the world. Hold on because Jesus journeys with us throughout all of our days, promising that he will turn our tears into laughter, our mourning into dancing, as the psalmist said, that he will redeem all of our brokenness, that he will come to us when all of our own human hope seems to be at an end. And if we will trust in him and follow him along the way, we will find ourselves surprised by his grace over and over again, beyond our wildest and best imagining, until we come at last to his kingdom, where all of our hopes and all of God's promises will finally and forever be fulfilled. Thanks be to God. Amen.
with me as we affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed printed in your bulletin. Christians, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now with joy and gratitude, let us present the fruits of our life and labor to the Lord. Gracious God, we know that nothing is too wonderful for you and that you are able to work through even the most fallible of us to do your good work in the world. And so we pray that you will accept the gifts that we bring you now, that you will accept these gifts, bless them, multiply them, and use them for your wonderful works to be done throughout the earth that others can come to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the salvation, peace, joy, and love that can be had by a relationship with him. All of these prayers we make in his name. Amen.
Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, we offer you our thanks and praise this morning for your loving, merciful, gracious presence in our lives and in the world. Your love for us and for the whole of your creation is steadfast, and your grace extends beyond our ability to imagine. We give thanks that you are always about the business of new creation, of redemption, of healing, and of new life in our individual lives, in the life of our church, and in the life of the world. Scripture tells us time and time again that your promises are to be trusted. Help us when our own faith falters to take shelter in your love and rest there until our hope and strength are restored. We are especially mindful today of those in our midst who are engaged in any sort of struggle today, and we lift them to you in prayer. We pray for those who are ill in body, mind, or spirit, and we pray for your healing in whatever form you know is best. We pray for those who are experiencing turmoil in their homes, with their family or friends, in their work life, and we pray for your peace and for reconciliation and healing. We pray for those who are locked in addiction or depression or anxiety, those who are riddled with guilt or shame, and we pray for strength to hold on and to move toward hope. We pray for those who are grieving the loss of a loved one or another kind of loss, and who are feeling alone as they walk through that deep valley, and we pray that they will feel your presence with them as you accompany them back into the light toward the new life you are offering them, different from the one they knew, but still filled with goodness and the possibility of joy. As our session has called us to do, today we pray for our church as well. We pray for discernment, that we might seek and understand your will for our church. We pray for our stewardship, that we might be faithful stewards of our time, our resources, our property, and all of the many gifts, talents, passions, and energies of our congregation. We pray for our unity, that even in the midst of our diversity, we might grow together as the body of Christ and seek always to be in harmony with one another. And we also pray for our connection as a church, that newer members and longer-term members might grow in relationship to each other and to you, that each member might find a place where they feel connected to the body of Christ here, and that we might be a place of warm hospitality where all who come through our doors will find a place where they can belong and deepen their relationship to you, to Christ, and to a family of faith. And in all things, in our lives as individuals and as a church, may we trust in you, in our Lord Jesus Christ, and in the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work within us and among us, using us for the building up of your kingdom. Hear us now as we bind all of our prayers up together in the words our Savior taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
And now, brothers and sisters in Christ, let us go out into the world holding fast to hope, knowing that our God travels with us, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ accompanies us wherever we go, and that nothing is too wonderful for the God who never stops working for our good, for our healing, for our wholeness, for our redemption. In him we can trust. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion and peace of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you and all whom God loves, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.